courtroom and outside the courtroom on Monday with Donald Trump testifying, his lawyer, Alina Haba, suffered multiple just absolute meltdowns. Now, the first one, of course, occurred inside the courtroom where she got into a bit of a back and forth with the judge, started yelling at him, and the judge had to tell her or yell at her, according to reports, to sit down. And this pissed off Alina Haba, right? She didn't want to hear that. So after everything was over that day, she heads outside angry as ever and gives a little press conference where she accuses the other side of only wanting to do press conferences and make a name for themselves, which is pretty ironic considering that's all Alina Haba has really ever done. But here is Alina Haba having her meltdown outside the court after she had her meltdown inside the court. Take a look. All right. The president's team has stepped up to the microphone. They just walked outside of the courthouse. Let's dip in here and listen. More honest coming from the judge who has already predetermined that my client committed fraud before we even walked into this courtroom. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. Then why exactly am I being paid as an attorney and why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom? The answer is very clear. Because Miss James wants to stand right here like she did this morning and call my client a liar. Call the company fraudulent and make a name for herself. She said this morning that the numbers don't lie and they won't lie in this case. Well, Miss James, I have a message for you. The numbers didn't lie when you ran for governor, and that's why you dropped out. Now, You'll notice in that statement, that very angry, bitter statement from Alina Haba, not once does she actually defend her client on the merits of the case. Not once. That's her job. Okay, folks, she is supposed to go out there and say like, listen, they said X, Y, and Z total crap. You know, this is what really happened. Here's how things actually are. My client is innocent, but instead Alina Haba being the horrid lawyer that she is went out there and started mocking the person bringing charges against him. And that is of course, New York attorney general, Letitia James. That's not a brilliant legal strategy. That's actually a very petty childlike move by a woman who basically acts exactly like Donald Trump does. They, they, they are two peas in a pod. She continued, by the way, after that clip you saw, she also said, quote, and if we don't stop corruption in courtrooms where attorneys are gagged, where attorneys are not allowed to say what they need to say to protect their client's interests, it doesn't matter what your politics are. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. You, 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 you yelled at him first, Alina. Do, do you not remember that? Or do the facts not matter to you? Because as a lawyer, I would think the facts should matter to you, but clearly they don't. Now, legal experts, of course, were actually stunned by Alina Haba's behavior. Here's what Katie Fong MSNBC legal, legal analyst had to say, she said, spoken like a lawyer who one doesn't try cases and two doesn't know how to act in front of a judge. Now I agree with everything she says there, her behavior in that courtroom 
shows her lack of experience inside of a courtroom. Let's not forget folks, Alina Haba, since she started working for Donald Trump has already been sanctioned for filing knowingly frivolous lawsuits. She has lost time after time, after time, after time while representing Donald Trump. She is not good at this. She has proven that repeatedly in just the last 12 months because prior to being hired by Donald Trump, her biggest client was a parking garage. So yeah, not exactly the kind of person that needs to be thrust into the spotlight, even though she wants that spotlight so desperately, but she doesn't have the legal chops to basically stand up with the rest of some of Donald Trump's other lawyers who actually do have decent resumes. He picked Alina Haba because he thinks she's pretty. He picked Alina Haba because she's not afraid to go on TV and say stupid things. Those are the two qualifications that Trump was looking for. And that's why he has kept her on his team and demoted her, promoted her, however you want to look at it to the spokesperson slash counsel for his save America political action committee. Other legal experts, George, uh, Georgia state university law professor, Eric Siegel said, quote, what a terrible look for this lawyer. And he's right because here's the thing, Alina, let's assume Donald Trump does not win election next year. If he does, you're set. You're probably going to the white house with him. I'll give you that, but let's assume he doesn't win. Then what, what do you do with your life? You, you, you have nothing. You have destroyed your reputation. You're not going to get a job at a prestigious law firm. You might go on to be known as the right wing lawyer who all the conservatives hire. But after a couple losses with those cases, nobody's going to hire you anymore. People probably aren't going to want to phone you up and say, Hey, I got hit in a car accident. What can you do for me? You're ruining your entire life with your behavior. Like it's not just because you took on Trump as a client. It's because of your behavior and the spectacle that you are making of yourself. So if Trump doesn't win, you better hope that Fox news is hiring or maybe Newsmax, because outside of that, you're going to be struggling for work for the rest of your life. So last week I talked to you about the fact that the prosecutors handling the documents case against Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump in South Florida, um, they filed a motion with judge Eileen Cannon warning her that, Hey, Donald Trump is playing. You do not allow yourself to be manipulated by him because he's asking you to delay his documents trial because he has to prepare for the January 6th trial. But just so you know, he also went and told that judge, Hey judge, you got to delay the January 6th trial. Cause I got to prepare for the documents trial. So prosecutors warned Cannon like, Hey, listen, He's trying to pull one over on you. Now I talked about that last week, but what I wasn't able to talk about because lots of other news things came up was the fact that judge Cannon in her response decided to not address the fact that she was being manipulated and instead scolded the prosecutors for exceeding the word limit in their filing. Apparently they were only allowed to have 200 words in their response but their filing actually had like 220 words. So Canon has like more strict rules than a post on Twitter. It was like, well, you use more than 200 words. If you do that again, I'm just, I'm going to dismiss it. And I'm not even going to tell you. Here's what she wrote. Uh, she said, 
The parties are hereby reminded of the requirements of local rule 7.8 on notices of supplemental authority, except as authorized by court court order, the substantive content of any such notice or response may not exceed 200 words and may not be used as a uh, surreply absent leave of court. Future non-compliant notices or unauthorized filings will be stricken without further notice. So the prosecutors go to judge Cannon and like judge you're being played, right? This guy is trying to pull one over on you. He is manipulating you. He is conning you. And judge Cannon's response was, wow, that was a lot of words. And I don't like that many words. So you're, you're in trouble now. The prosecutor, I mean, I have to imagine that they just threw their hands up and they're like, what, what are you even talking about? (laughs) Legal experts, as per usual, are once again sounding the alarm over the fact that Judge Cannon should be removed from this case. But that's not the only alarm they're sounding. These legal experts are also making it crystal clear that Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, likely screwed the pooch on this one, and he's out of time to have her removed. Because in order for Jack Smith, the prosecutors, the DOJ, uh, to have Cannon removed, they would have to go to the circuit court, you know, above Judge Cannon, make their case there, and hope that the court agrees with them. At this point, according to multiple legal experts, he's out of time to do that. Like the time to do that is when the judge gets assigned to the case. If you're not happy with that, you come up with your arguments, you file it with the circuit court, and you hope that you can make a strong enough appeal to get that judge removed and you draw a new one. They didn't do that. This has been going on for months now. They've known this and they didn't do it. And legal experts say pretty much by this point, if you haven't done it already, your chances of being successful in doing it are zero. I'm not kidding. Stephen Smith, legal professor at Santa Clara University in California, said that uh, the chances of the Department of Justice seeking Cannon's removal is unlikely to the point of wholly unlikely. Uh, Stephen Gillers, law professor at New York University, says, quote, will Cannon be removed? Smith has to go to the circuit court to get a new judge and success in any such effort at this point seems highly improbable. You then, of course, have Joyce Vance, who says this. I wondered whether Judge Cannon, who has been so unstinting in her criticism of prosecutors, might have some to spare for Trump's lawyers now. But she did not. Instead, she chastised prosecutors for violating local rules. She didn't show any concern about the Trump lawyers' failures to advise her of the motion they'd made in D.C. So should Cannon recuse herself? Absolutely. Should she be removed by the circuit court if she doesn't recuse? 100%. Will any of that happen? 0% chance of it happening. Cannon's going to throw this trial for Donald Trump. Like there's no doubt in my mind, she's already done everything she can to do it. She signaled last week that she is willing, hasn't officially ruled, but that she's willing to delay the trial possibly till after next year's presidential election. She is coddling Donald Trump. And every time she's warned that that is what she's doing, she gets mad at the people warning her instead of the guy manipulating her. Marjorie Taylor Greene managed to shock the nation this week when she said something that was not only true, but it was an admission about how horrible the Republican Party is. 
Now there is a caveat to that, and I will get to that caveat in just a few moments. But first, here is what Marjorie Taylor Greene told CNN reporter Manu Raju this week. She said, Republican voters across the country are sick and tired of Republicans because they never do anything to hold this government accountable. She then says that Americans think Republicans in Congress completely fail them. I feel the same way, and I'm a Republican member of Congress. Now, as you can imagine, the folks on Twitter had a field day with that because she is admitting that, hey, we're Republicans, I'm a Republican, and I gotta tell you, we repeatedly fail these voters out here, and man, are they pissed off about it. Oh boy, we suck. So yes, everybody on social media kind of lit up with that, because that's quite an admission, but Marjorie Taylor Greene thinks she's, you know, doing well, right? Going out there and telling people that, yeah, I'm a part of this, and yeah, we're really bad at it. But that caveat I mentioned, right? The caveat, the caveat is that she says Republicans are pissed because they're not holding the government accountable. Nope. Nope. Swing and a miss there, Marge, because what Republican voters, what all voters are pissed off about is the fact that Republicans don't do anything. Like you've done nothing. Your, your whole career in Congress, which, you know, you're only in your second term. What have you accomplished, Marge? What massive legislation that actually helps voters have you put your name on? What have you done? What have any of the Republicans in Congress this year done to make the lives of average American voters better? The answer is nothing. Now, she went on to say this. And this is another truth. Republicans go out on the campaign trail and go on TV and do their five minute hearing videos and post up on social media and say all this garbage about how they're going to fight it and stop it. Yeah. That's literally the only thing you do. You've even started your own podcast. Hell you're dating a guy that works at a conservative media outlet. You do segments with him all the time. The only thing Republicans are good at as Marge is admitting, but she seems to forget that she does it too, is going on TV and complaining about things that they have the power to fix. They just refuse to do it. I mean, I think Matt Gates is a wonderful example of that too. Another guy who, by the way, started a podcast because that's all these people want is to be famous. Lauren Boebert, although she's kind of shying away from the spotlight at the moment, Prior to that, she loved the spotlight. She wanted to be out there. Jim Jordan loves to take his, you know, full tie, but no blazer self onto TV all the time. And they whine and they complain. And then they go and beg their donors for money. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Oh, nobody's taking care of the voters. And we got to fix that. You have the power to do it. You're making the decision not to do it. And that's what's pissing the voters off. That's why when I see these polls, like the polls out this week said, oh, oh, Trump's beaten Biden in like five out of six swing states. How? Genuinely how? I get Biden is not perfect. You know, I criticize him from the left. But if you think Trump is any better, like what have Republicans done for you voters? Like I'm actually getting pissed off at all of America at this point, when y'all look at Republicans right now and say, well, it's better than Democrats. How? None of you can explain that. Throughout my entire life, my 40 years on this planet, I promise you, 
Republicans have not done a single thing to improve the lives of average American workers or average American voters. Nothing. The only thing they've done is cut taxes and engage in culture wars and every now and then real wars. That's it. That's all the Republicans do. And then they do exactly what Marjorie Taylor Greene says. They get their five minute soundbite. They launch their own podcast. They put it out there on social media and wait for the praise to come in. But if you do what I do, start looking at those posts and you'll see that some of their own supporters, not necessarily their voters, but their supporters say, what are you doing about it? You've done nothing. They are getting mad. But anger doesn't always translate to accountability because these people are very tribal. And even though they're mad at these Republicans, I promise you, they're still going to show up at the polls next year and vote them all back into office when they have the chance to do it. So Donald Trump's testimony on Monday, of course, all the coverage of it has been about the insanity, you know, Trump getting in trouble by the judge, Trump's lawyers getting in trouble with the judge, Trump's lawyers yelling back at the judge, Trump's lawyers and Trump attacking Letitia James, attacking the judge himself. So the spectacle, the theater of it all has been the main focus of the media. And that's a shame. Because on Monday, when Donald Trump was on the stand, he literally admitted to the things that he is accused of doing. Like he got up on the stand under oath and basically said, yeah, I did it. Here's how that exchange took place. Did you ever think that the values were off in your statement of financial condition? Assistant Attorney General Kevin Wallace asked the former president. Yes, on occasion, Trump responded, both high and low. Yes, sometimes they were too high. Sometimes they were too low. You know, the thing that the state has actually accused me of doing? Yeah, yeah, we did it. So, like, um... Can, can, can we just gavel out right now and be like, all right, case closed. Here's, here's my judgment of what you owe. He admitted it. Like your main defendant got on the stand. I just read it to you and he admitted it. He's like, yes, yes, I did it. At that point, Ingron should have been like, that's not what a gavel sounds like. But anyway, like gavel sound done. Thank you, Donald. We appreciate you. Um, your business is gone forever. Don't ever come back to New York. Like that should have been the end of the trial. He admitted it. And I know the guilt was already determined in this civil trial. Well, the guilt, the liability was already determined, but now that you have the confession, cause you can't take that as anything other than a confession. Like, why are we still doing it? We don't need Ivanka to come and show up and testify today. Like it's over. <laughs> You, you got him. You did it. Why are we still doing this? And why is every media outlet in the country not talking about this? Like he did it. He confessed. That kind of seems like a pretty big deal to me. I don't know about you, but yeah, he did it. Here's, here's another thing. Um, when you lie on a bank application, it doesn't matter if you inflate your, your assets or deflate your assets, 
because you sign a sworn document saying that you attest that these values, these, these, these numbers, whatever it is, are true and accurate. So going too high, like overinflating your assets is just as illegal as undervaluing your assets. Like you can't do either, either way, high, low, doesn't matter. If it's not accurate, it's illegal. So him saying like, ah, some of them were too low. Cool. Still illegal. You can't do that. He did continue and he said, probably I I said, I thought it was too high. I, I, I don't. I don't know what's too high anymore because I'm seeing things sold at numbers that are very high. So he's like, yeah, yeah, we definitely went too high on some of them, but Hey, have you seen real estate prices recently? Ooh, crazy. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's admission number two. And then of course, Donald Trump tried to say, well, listen, And he says this on social media all the time. He says it in speeches. I had the disclaimer clause and the disclaimer clause says, don't believe anything we say, basically. So I'm in the clear. Judge Ingeron addressed that too. And he said, the clause does not use the words worthless or useless or ignore or any similar words. It does not say the values herein or what I think the properties will be worth in 10 or more years. So Ingeron dismantles Donald Trump's disclaimer clause and says like, yeah, it just cause you have that doesn't mean that it absolves you of your liability. So Trump's got no defenses left. He literally admitted to the thing multiple times while on the stand. So I think at this point, if Ingeron were to choose this trial supposed to go into December, but I'm pretty sure he could wrap it up before Thanksgiving if he wanted to. Anything beyond this at this point is simply to embarrass Donald Trump, and I'm okay with that. I'm just saying it's not necessary because the doofus just admitted to it. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced.